Good evening, everybody. My name's Robin. How the hell are you doing? It's Thursday night, March 8th. And I don't know, I don't know how to start this. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have a lot, I've got, an, an, I, I don't even want to get into it. I've got an eye problem going on. So I'm a little distracted. It's hard for me to talk. It's hard for me to see. It's hard for me to think, but I'm doing all three of them, even at a low level. Um, I'm also about to make a chicken tetrazzini noodle with Brussels sprout casserole. How do you like that? That's from Blue Apron. Um, this is not an ad, by the way. You know this show isn't baller enough to have any paid ads. Uh, this is a this is a shitty podcast. That's how we do it here at Me Reading Stuff. We just hook up. I do have a mic. For a long time, it was just an iPhone, and I was on my bathroom floor, and I migrate around. Sometimes I'm in my bathroom. Sometimes right now I'm at my kitchen table, which, by the way, is the same table I grew up eating on as a kid. I inherited this table, and I really like it. At this point, I don't even know if it's ugly or pretty. Who the hell knows? I've been staring at it for 30, wait, whoa, longer than 30 years, 40 years. Um, yeah, I'm going to be 41 in April, on April 30th. Ugh. God. Um, okay. I, 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 was in, I was in an okay mood today, and then I got in a really bad mood about something because I was going through, I'm trying to, I'm making a lot of new small drawings as a little side project because my big drawings take so long. So I started to make, uh, a, I made myself a goal of um, certain days of the week for a couple hours, just tear up smaller paper and do really rough, quick drawings. And I'm really happy with where they're going finally. I've been attempting this for about a month. I started making watercolors and ink drawings and that just wasn't doing it. I think I'm, I think it's, I think I just like the dry media mediums. So anyway, I'm using like big graphite chunks though. I'm just trying to do things that still mimic the kind of emotional tone that I go for with my work, but not have the kind of detail. Um, just cause I need it deep down. There's no, no real other reason, but, and I was looking for, imagery from the past. So I have these notebooks that you would think of as a sketchbook, but really they're composition notebooks. And I came across, somebody had just asked me, do you ever draw women? And of course I don't. But, and by the way, if you don't know this, I'm an artist, check out my work, robinoneal.com, or just do a search for my name and you'll see some of it. So I normally draw men if there are figures in my work. Not normally, always. I have these, this cast of characters, they're all guys. And I said, no, I never draw women. And then Today I was reminded of, oh yeah, you did, because guess what, you guys, about, God, I don't know when this was, I should have looked into it, but it was probably about a year ago, maybe, no, less than that, it was probably, I don't know, it doesn't matter. So one of my galleries called me and they said, we have the weirdest thing to tell you. This is the weirdest request in like 25 years of, a gal of this gallery, we have never heard of anything this weird. Apparently someone called my gallery and asked and said, and I'm not going to say this person's name. Let's just make up a name for him. He, his name was Barry and Barry said, I have a friend who's a big fan of Robin's work and it's her 60th birthday party. And she lives in the Pacific Palisades and we're going to have a party for her. And she loves Robin and her work. She's never met Robin though. So we would love to have her come and draw, draw during the party. 
so that we can just watch her draw. And we're willing to pay $40,000 for, you know, two hours of work. <laughs> okay. Listen, if you're wondering like, whoa, is this the kind of cash Robin's pulling in for her lame little drawings of mountains and bullshit like that? Uh, no, I am not at all. This uh, offer was exceptional and would have like changed the game for me in a major way right now. And of course, who doesn't always need money? It would have been huge. And so anyway, then we start negotiations and I don't even know where to begin with this story. It, it was so shocking, but they were like, he's dead serious. He's proven to us that he's serious. We're in negotiation. We're, we're going to write up a contract. And I was like, and then it started to be, well, okay, well, we want Robin to draw the birthday girl. And then it was added in the birthday girl's birthday suit. And there's going to be other naked people roaming around the party. Is Robin comfortable with that? And so then my antenna go up. Now, I know I talk about on this podcast, I don't like nudity all that much. I, I, that doesn't, but I'm not a prude. Like, that's not that big of a deal just because I don't like lust after watching a bunch of strangers being naked doesn't mean like it's not going to it's not going to make me cry or anything it's just okay then I'm wondering what am I getting myself into and then I start like figuring out how to hire a bodyguard to be with me and they accepted that that was in the contract because I'm like I don't want anyone coming anywhere near me with their nude bodies and also, okay, oh, back to my point of why I got mad. So I sketched out all of these options for how I was going to draw the woman because we were like, look, Robin doesn't do portraits. Robin doesn't draw women. This is so weird. It's like, if you like my work and you, what I make are landscapes with little tiny men and suddenly we want a large scaled face of a woman with her breasts in it. So I have these couple of pages in my notebook of me doing the thumbnail sketches to show this guy, Barry, what I was going to be uh, doing. And it just makes, it, it made me so mad to think back on it because I'm pretty good about like, I don't know, putting things away. Like I, I dealt with it. I was very upset and angry. Oh, because what I didn't tell you was in the very last minute, he disappeared on us when we were about to get paid because I was going to get paid half up front and suddenly he was gone. So it just brought back all these memories of how hard I worked on these sketches and I had even like called bodyguard services and that kind of thing. So it, it Barry, you know what? Get out of here. You don't belong in this podcast. It was really upsetting. No, for real, if anyone's listening, don't fuck with artists like that. We, we have a hard enough time. Don't fuck with people who are self-employed, who are doing this because they love it. I mean... Basically, I'm just saying don't fuck people over. But I also wonder what was going on in this guy's head. Like, I just keep thinking, is this somebody who I have crossed in the past who I did something to and this was all a lie? Although we could verify who this person was and everything. Um, oh, yeah. And in the last minute, he also lied and was like, oh, it turns out that the birth... He kept calling her the birthday girl. The birthday girl is just uncomfortable. She's just a little um, modest. She doesn't really want anyone, you know, drawing her or anything. So I guess it's not something she wanted. I'm like, oh, the woman who wants to be nude at her 60th birthday party. Oh, by the way, he was even getting my um, food order down. 
He's like, do you eat red meat? Do you eat chicken? Do you eat, like I was going to a wedding or something. Oh my God. And then to just drop. So, I mean, for a good three weeks or two and a half weeks of prepping for this party and getting everything set for it, I was so excited that I had this money. And it was in the beginning of my health problems last year with my heart. Oh, and another time the gallery said, well, Robin, he kept wanting to talk to me on the phone and I do not fuck with the phone. I hate talking on the phone. So the gallery was trying to protect me from that. And they said, you know, Robin isn't available today. She's at some doctor appointments, she told us, which was true. And Barry says to them, oh my God, is, is this something, is she going to die? Cause I don't, I mean, if she's going to die, if this is something terminal, I need to know now because I don't want to, I don't want to get this contract signed if she's going to die. <laughs> so he didn't care at all about my heart problem. He just cared about the, con anyway, moving on. All right. I am so excited. I warned you guys I was going to be reading this. I am going to be reading Andrew Weatherhead's well from Andrew Weatherhead's new book of poems called Todd. It's also a book with his uh, collages and artwork inside of it. And the cover of the book, who did the cover of the book? Let me look for it, because I love this. It's by Keegan Mon Monaghan. Do we say Monaghan? It's M-O-N-A-G-H-A-N, and I love this painting. Oh my God, I love it so much. And you guys know I don't love any paintings unless they were made in like the 1400s. So this is shocking and exciting. I'm going to look into Keegan's work some more. Um, and this book, Todd, is published by Monster House Press. That's monsterhousepress.com. I'm going to put a link in the description of the podcast. You can buy this book for only $16. It's not only a book of poems, but it is an art book. There are There is so much imagery in here and really good imagery of Andrew's. And you, I've talked about Andrew on here before, and we've read him before, so I'll also put a link to the other time I've read him. Um, and I'm sorry, because this is going to be a long podcast. I'm just going to warn you, because this poem I'm going to read is what I consider my favorite piece in the book. And it's called The Origin of the World. And its subtitle here, just to give you a description, is Collage from Blurbs on Books that Were in My Bedroom on February 2nd, 2012. So I guess Andrew took all the books that were in his bedroom and looked at the blurbs and created this poem out of sections. So some lines, even if they're only four words long, might be from two different blurbs. And I want to also share with you, I actually wrote a blurb for this book to give you an idea of the book. So here's my blurb. Todd eases us in deceptively only to beat our brains in on the final pages which, by the way, are the pages I'm about to read you. The book's masterpiece, The Origin of the World, a poem created out of lines from blurbs on books that happened to be in Weatherhead's room one day in 2012, leaves the reader shell-shocked and overwhelmed. The best way I can describe this book is to ask you to imagine a giant's hands placed on top of a tornado. Just as a ceramicist pushes down clay to control it as the wheel turns, the giant's hands mute the storm. Andrew Weatherhead is the giant and Todd is the tornado. I also wrote this other blurb that <laughs> I was half serious. I'm dead serious about it, but I knew they couldn't use this. Andrew Weatherhead's second book of poetry, Todd, has already been awarded the most coveted writing prize in the world, the greatest book title of all time. And an asterisk is next to it. And the asterisk says, this award has only been given out once by the human being Robin O'Neill. It will never be given to another book. Todd is the greatest book of all time, all caps, for all times. So that's how strongly I feel about the title Todd. 
and about the book in general. So here we go. I'm overwhelmed. You think you know where you are and then you don't and it's inexplicably sad. The private self, detached, hot, normally glimpsed in sections, as if through window slats, finds itself face to face with an entirely new recasting of life, a maze of thoughts and feelings, while the familiar truths you had leaned on reveal themselves to be horribly self-indulgent and sad. Desire as melancholia, progress as slippage, wanting for wanting's sake, We're faced with time's inability to undo the massive knot formed in cities and towns by heartbreaking placements of furniture, telephones, exaggerated compassion, and perpetual victims, men, women, images, majas, and a world broken wide apart, more intimate and desperate than ever. Although it lets us into spaces and meanings we couldn't approach in any other way, this era of reality TV and incessant simulacra can make us feel that our role in the world is falsified, unreal, and inauthentic. Everything is in doubt. You don't even have to be a poet or an artist to be a poet or an artist. Instead, a satiric alter ego orbiting the failed authority of culture, poised, listening only to yourself, all the light, sound, thought, and feeling passing through you. No longer satisfied by the merely beautiful, the singularly clever, or the one big thought purely rendered. It reminds us that life is not narrative, but forays into pure abstraction, and we're all transformed into images somewhere. The eye, the skull, the earth, the universe, circumference is everywhere, the center not to be located. Like apples, our lives fall on the ground and lie in the sun. The floodgates crumble. It's like looking into a lake. You can see your own outline and the perforated shapes of an empirical world reflected among rocks, leaves, and the ghostly stuff of profound moral insight. Slowly then, almost without knowing it, the unpredictable surfaces and depths of a rising wave. Nobody else could have seen it coming, and to no one else it is apparent. The gathering consciousness is omnivorous. Through the cracked surface, surfaces of invisible matter, the intranscendence of the years will climb out and carry you home. I don't know if I said that word right. Sorry, everybody. Life is more than just a chronological arrangement. Next year's book awards have already been decided. So what will life feel like the day after tomorrow? I don't know. You hear people calling for so much sincerity, you'll have to learn how to sleep with your eyes open. You'll need sunglasses and a body double. They'll fill you with lettuce and gin. You'll struggle. You'll go crazy. You'll change. But self-discovery is always about empire anyways. So if this is the rose period, it's also the time in which blood rains down on people's heads. An open mind is an atrocious act of love. There is only longing in its observation. The future teems with every tragic possibility, melting imperceptibly into the present to haunt the lives of men and women everywhere. Its arsenal is imposing and effective. It's your own childhood home you can laugh, tingle, and cry while right next door the whipper whips its perpetual victim in the trial. It makes me think we've lost the keys to the central metaphor of art since time shouldn't exist if it can dissolve in verse, painting, or simply a shady spot under a tree. Tu Fu once said, a poet's ideas are noble and simple, 
but Tu Fu never read Elliot or Joyce. We've been to the moon and come back. There are no more mistakes to make. Now we're in desperate need of real vision. But isn't poetry supposed to be a way forward, a way to perceive life's pains and pleasures even though they got lost? Or is anti-poetry the best friend poetry ever had? Where is my rule book? This is serious. The theory and ideology I keep underlining and underlying feels so much like living, but really it's about needing to touch something. I know my hand will go through. My troubles may be deep. No one will ever be prepared for the death of a parent, but you can't run from a sadness that has nowhere else to go. Even when your own biography is breaking and entering into taboo areas, blazing and stabbing and juicing the days into their glistening parts, our stories deepen as they go, finally revealing something not unlike the origin of the world. Remember, we make our way by thinking and speaking to each other. Your sentences can only be yours. You don't need anything more. And when you die, you might not want that back. Andrew Weatherhead, Todd, me, reading it, loving it. Uh, as you know, every once in a while, this has happened, what, maybe six times in the uh, podcast, in the history of this podcast, which is almost going to be three years at some point soon. Um, occasionally, I hit a stride with a reading and get like really into it. And it happened right after I fucked up that word. What was that word I messed up? Intranscendence? Intranscendence. I guess that's the, I mean, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It pisses me off. But right after that, man, I was like a part of that poem and that poem was me. So when you look at this, then after that in the book, Todd, you'll see the origin of the world annotated right behind it. And every single word he pulled, it, it notes it. So there are things like it's from Chilly Scenes of Winter by Ann Beatty or Beattie. Um, what, I mean, it's a list of how many? Oh my God, over 180, 202 different books, blurbs. So, I mean, everything from, I'm trying to, trying to give you guys an idea. Everything from David Markson, E.E. E. Cummings, James Tate, uh, Towlin, Mark Halliday, Dennis Cooper, Barry Hanna, Kenneth Goldsmith, uh, did I say Heather Crystal? Um, Ariana Rains, I mean, Blake Butler, we love B Blake Butler on this show, C.D. Wright, Frank O'Hara, and it's just, it's so, anyway, it's a very exciting thing to read it and then look at the annotated list. I can't even tell you how excited it makes me. Andrew Weatherhead, you did an amazing job. And by the way, if you live in New York City or the area, um, there is on Saturday, this Saturday, March 10th from 8.30 to 12 a.m., there's going to be a release party at the Parkside Lounge in New York City. I'm going to put a link in, on the Facebook invite for you guys. This is not a reading, by the way. It's, it's a cooler way to just, you know, celebrate a book being released. I so wish I could be there. It's just a hangout. So you go there, you buy a song on the jukebox, you maybe buy the book from Andrew, maybe not. Uh, drink a ginger ale. Uh, what else? Use the public restroom and then call it a fucking night. Say good night. Thank you, Andrew. And then go home. Uh, so that's it. I also want to say if you're in Nebraska tomorrow night, 
one of my best friends and an artist who I love and respect, Matthew Sontheimer, who also teaches at UNL in Lincoln, has a new solo show opening up at um, the Union for Contemporary Art in North Omaha, which, by the way, is my birthplace. I grew up in North Omaha, so I'm excited about that. The title of his show rivals that of Andrew Weatherhead's book, Todd. This is another book that I, I mean, this is another title that I'm obsessed with. Here's the title of Matthew's show. That's right, I still don't have a website. So this is opening up March 9th. Um, I don't know what time. I'll put a link in the podcast for you to find that information out. But Matthew is a multimedia, this is a multimedia show, text-driven work. And he has a new, his biggest piece to date, and I really love it. Oh, and I also did a conversation. I did a written piece with him, kind of an interview slash conversation. I don't know how to describe it, uh, thing. And that will be available, I don't know if it's for free or to purchase at that venue uh, tomorrow night in Lincoln. And that shows up until April 14th. And I had a really good time writing that along with Matthew. So, you guys, this is the end of the road here. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends if you're enjoying this. Invite them to join in the fun. Thank you for your reviews on iTunes, for subscribing, for all that you do. Thank you for eating apples every day with me at 4.30. I still do that. I hope you guys do too. Um, If you have a dog, kiss that dog on the head for me. I love kissing dogs right on the forehead, right in that little bump in their skull. You know what I mean? Like above their eyes, but between their eyes. Oh, God, it made my mouth water. That's so not normal. That's really weird that that made my mouth water. Uh, What else should you do? Put your phone in the other room for two hours. Don't even look at it. Forget about it. Read without your phone. Write a postcard to a friend. Um, Shake someone's hand firmly. That always feels good. Wink at somebody as you pass them by without them seeing you. Like you, you just wink when they're not looking at you. I do it all the time when I'm driving specifically. Like as I drive by people on the street, I just wink at them. Um, sometimes I'll just say, I love you to them as well, even though they can't hear me. It's just kind of fun. Uh, I think that's all I've got. Uh, go to a silent retreat. I'm going to do that next weekend. I cannot wait to tell you guys about that. Hell yes to silence and silent retreats. God damn it. I've got to go. This is so, this is my longest podcast. I'm so sorry. Uh, I love you guys so much. Have a great night and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.